Our New Testament lesson is taken from Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysantius, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low, the crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth and all mankind will see God's salvation. John came to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him and said, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And this is the word of the Lord. We all make careful preparations for Christmas. In fact, uh, it used to be that we started preparing for Christmas on the day after Thanksgiving, and now it's the day after Halloween, and I expect soon it will be after the 4th of July. But uh, at, at any rate, making preparations for Christmas is a happy thing to do and it brings to us great joy. But have you ever noticed the theme of preparation in the scripture? It's a very important theme. And this morning, I'd like for you to think with me, first of all, about the preparation for Christ's first coming. And it's found in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 and 4, which was read in our hearing. And here God is making a solemn promise to his people. He says, A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Now, if you read carefully the context of this, 
you find that in chapter 39 of Isaiah, Isaiah has announced to the people the coming Babylonian captivity. This was going to be a period of 70 long years as they would be transported to Babylon and live there in captivity. But then when you come to chapter 40, you learn that there is going to be a deliverer who will come to his people and deliver them from bondage. Now, between Jerusalem and Babylon, there was the Arabian Desert. And in those days, it took about 30 days to make that trip through the desert. And they, God says to his people, you are to prepare the way for me through the desert. In ancient times, kings, when they were going to travel, would send a courier out before them. And the courier would come into a town and would say, the king is coming and you are responsible for this section of the highway. We see signs today that certain groups are cleaning the highway uh, for a period. Well, in ancient times, it was that they would repair the highway for the coming of the king. And this would involve the removal of any obstruction that would stand in the way of the king's coming. It was a removal of any hindrance to God's coming again to his people. And then in a beautiful poetic statement, every valley shall be raised up and every mountain brought low and the crooked will be made straight and a highway would be prepared for God to come to Babylon and to deliver his people from captivity. Now, when we come to the New Testament, we learn that all of this was to be fulfilled through John the Baptist and through the coming of Jesus Christ. And as we prepared for the coming of Christ the first time, God said, I will do my part and you are to do your part. In Haggai chapter two, verses six and seven, this is what God said his part would be. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once again shake the heavens and the earth the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations will come and I will fill this house with glory. The shaking of the nations, if you know history, involved the rise and fall of Babylon, the Medo-Persian empire, the Greek Empire, and finally, the Roman Empire. And the book of Daniel tells us that it would be during that Roman Empire that Christ would come into the world. 
But how did God prepare the world for the coming of Christ? Well, under Rome, the world was under one government. All the other nations had fallen. Rome was now established as the leading power in the nation. And under Rome, there was a system of law. And the citizens of Rome and the people who were living at that time fully understood what it meant to live under law. And then we read in Galatians 4, 4 and 5, that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son to be born of a woman, to be born for those who live under the law, to redeem them from the law. And so God had prepared for the coming of Christ by giving an understanding of law. Secondly, under Rome, the world had a common language. Greek was the language of business throughout the world. The Old Testament had been translated from Hebrew into Greek. Almost everyone with any education at all could understand the Greek language. And when this was in place, the word came into the world. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the truth was revealed. The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Also, under Rome, there was a system of roads that connected the empire. Appius Claudius had built the first highway, which came to be known as the Appian Way, and he had done that in 312 BC. And from that, a whole system of roads throughout the entire empire had been constructed. And when the roads were there, the way came into the world. Jesus said, I am the way. And over those same roads, the gospel went forth into the world after the resurrection of Christ. Also, under the rule of Rome, the world was at peace. This is known as the Pax Romana, a time of peace when Rome was ruling. The temple of Janus, and Janus means doors, the temple of doors had their doors open whenever the Roman army was fighting. And there were only two times in the history of Rome when the doors of that temple were closed because the world was at peace. And it was during one of those times that the Prince of Peace came into the world. Also at this time in history, Israel was ready for a redeemer. Israel had become the dry ground out of which the Messiah was to come. 
It had been reduced to a stump, as Isaiah tells us in chapter 11 of his book. The tent of David had fallen. Israel was in a desperate way. They were ready for a visit from God. And at this time in history, there was a universal longing for some deliverer to come into the world. From Plato's Alcibiades, we have this little conversation. Socrates said, it is therefore necessary to wait till someone may teach us how it behooves us to conduct ourselves both toward the gods and men. And Alcibiades said, when shall that time arrive, O Socrates? And who shall that teacher be? For most eagerly do I wish to see such a man. Such was the universal longing of mankind. The great historian Edersheim records this of the days just before Christ came into the world. Quote, the reign of Augustus marked not only the climax, but the crisis of Roman history. Whatever of good or of evil the ancient world contained had become fully ripe. As regarded politics, philosophy, religion, and society, the utmost limits had been reached. Beyond them lay as the only alternatives, ruin or regeneration. What is worse, the noblest spirits of the time felt that the state of things was utterly hopeless. Society could not reform itself. Philosophy and religion had nothing to offer. They had passed through every stage to that of despair. Seneca longed for some hand from without to lift up from the mire of despair. Cicero pictured the enthusiasm which would greet the embodiment of true virtue should it ever appear on earth. Tacitus declared human life one great farce and expressed his conviction that the Roman world lay under some terrible curse. All around, despair, conscious need, and unconscious longing. And into that world, the desire of all nations came. God said, I will do my part, but you must do your part. And the people's part was to build a highway for God to come on. And in Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, some of the responsibilities of that highway are given. God says, see, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. 
and this we learn from Luke chapter 1, was the responsibility that was carried by John the Baptist. He came in the spirit of Elijah. He came to prepare the way for the coming of Christ. His responsibility was to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. There needed to be a rebuilding of the family unit so that the people would be ready for God to come. And then it also says that he would turn the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. I was talking to a friend just recently, and we were saying, it's crazy what's happened in the world. Things that are evil are now thought good, and things that are good are now thought evil. We, we've turned everything upside down, and we've lost wisdom in the process. But the responsibility here was to turn the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. And then it says, and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. You know, I believe that God wants to visit his people, that any holding back is not on his part, but it's on our part. It's because we haven't met our responsibility. We haven't really prepared the way. And so God is holding back. And all of these things that John the Baptist was to preach and to do came through repentance. In Luke chapter 3, verse 3, we read this that John went into the, all the country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance. And then verses 7 and 8, John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. The preparation for the first coming of Christ was to be preceded by repentance on the part of the people. And I am convinced that today, repentance is an unspoken message through much of the Church of Christ, and that we emphasize always the positive and never that message of repentance. But God said it is essential that this should take place before the Christ would come. And then from Isaiah 40, the promise was that when the Christ came, the glory of the Lord would be revealed and all flesh would see it together. And I love the account of Jesus' birth found in Luke chapter 2. And in verse 9 it says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And that glory 
that message of glory began to spread all through the then known world. Yes, there was an elaborate preparation for the first coming of Christ. But then I would ask you to think with me of preparation for God's coming in revival. Some of you will remember that back in May, I preached a sermon here on revival. And I've preached that sermon 14 times since then, and I will be preaching it more in the days to come. And more and more, I am convinced that God wants to send revival to his people. I, I preached in one church, and they knew I was going to speak on revival, and uh, the, the worship team sang a song that I'd never heard before, but I love it. I can hear it coming like the sound of a train on the edge of town. And my heart just responded to that because I believe that God wants to send revival. But what is our preparation for it? Once again, it is repentance. In Acts chapter 3, verse 19, Peter is preaching, and this is what he said, Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. That's revival, times of refreshing that come from the Lord. And Peter said the condition for this is repentance. It's the same message that John the Baptist had preached a few years before. And I believe it is the same message that needs to be preached again today. The Church of Jesus Christ is in deep trouble all across our land. I received a phone call from my daughter in Florida just two days ago, and she said, Dad, pray for us down here. One of the leading pastors, he pastors a church of 4,000 people, has been caught in adultery and an affair, and the church is disintegrating and Every Christian is discouraged. Dad, please pray for us. And you know that kind of a message comes again and again and again. And God is saying to us, I want to send revival. I would love to send you those days of refreshing. But first, there must be repentance. And then think with me of the preparations for his coming again. God is still shaking the nations. We can't always understand what he is doing, and we may have many questions about what he is doing. But be assured of this, that the God who destroyed Babylon and Medo-Persia and Greece and established Rome and then destroyed Rome, that same God is at work in our world today. And he knows what he is doing. He is still 
shaking the nations. Some of us who have lived a long time have seen many different changes take place in our world. I remember Mussolini and Hitler and all that went with, with World War II. And then there was the rise of the Soviet Union. And we, we looked at the Soviet Union and we said, what can we ever do to defeat them? But on December 25th, 1991, the Soviet Union dissolved. Is God in charge? Of course he is. And I think he gave us that, that, that on Christ's birthday, on the day when we celebrate the coming of the king, he demonstrated once again that he is the God of all history. But the Bible tells us there's going to be a final shaking. And that's found in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 26 to 28. At Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. And in the book of Revelation, chapter 6, beginning at verse 12, there's another description of that final shaking. I watched as the angel opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red, and the stars in the sky fell to earth as late figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a scroll rolling up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and every slave and every free man hid in caves among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand. There is going to be a final shaking of the nations, but the outcome of that is going to be the full establishment of the kingdom of Christ. In Revelation eleven fifteen, we read, and the seventh angel sounded his trumpet, 
And there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the apostle Peter wrote in 2 Peter 3, 10 to 13, The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed his coming. Christ is coming again. We don't know when, but it could be very soon. And the message that God wants to give to us today is this, prepare, prepare for my coming. Build up the family. Repent of your sins. And in Acts 3.19, listen to this statement about preparation. Repent and turn to God so that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy apostles. And in Isaiah 35, 8, Isaiah speaks through prophetic eyes of a day when a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. But Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 18:15, quotes God as saying, but my people are walking in bypaths. In Pilgrim's Progress, there's one episode where Pilgrim gets off of the King's Highway and goes through Bypass Meadow. And I fear that that's what many of us as Christians are doing, that we've left the way of holiness and we're wandering in, in bypaths and, and we're getting the wrong priorities and the wrong values. And God says, be ready, be ready. Christ is coming back again. And in one other reference, in Jeremiah 31, 21, God says, set up road signs, put up guideposts. Have you ever tried to drive through Providence, Rhode Island? <laughs> I have, and I, I wanted to follow Route 6 one particular day. And I saw the first sign, Route 6, and I saw a second sign, and I didn't see any more. The guideposts were gone. 
Somebody has said that uh, half the people who live in Providence never intended to. They just couldn't find their way out. And you know, in, in the world in which we live, there are people who desperately need those signposts. Signposts that point to Almighty God, that point to the fact that Christ is coming again and to help them to prepare for his coming. At this Advent season, let us prepare for Christ's coming. In the wonderful Christmas carol, Joy to the World, there's one line that I love, let every heart prepare him room. Oh, friends, let's get serious. Let's get serious about preparing for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's seek him with all our hearts and be ready when he comes.